John chapter 3. Uh, we've worked our way to verse 4, but I'll begin at the beginning. Let's read through. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man could do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus then says to him, well, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, Thou heareth the sound thereof, but you can't tell whence it cometh and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, Well, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou, again, literally the teacher, the master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe them not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So this remarkable encounter with Nicodemus, the most religious character of the day, the most esteemed, he says here, the master, the teacher in Israel. You're going to study, that was the guy you wanted to study with, no doubt the school of Gamaliel there in Israel. And he comes to Jesus by night, we're there, and I believe he comes genuinely. He's seeking. He doesn't want to come during the day when it's busy and crowded. He comes to have a dialogue. He comes to ask questions. He comes, again, having crossed incredible boundaries as a Sanhedrinist to believe that this young Galilean unschooled carpenter can speak to him and he calls him rabbi rabbi from this most scholarly man in Israel and it's almost as though Jesus says I know what you're trying to ask me unless a man is born again Nicodemus he can't see the kingdom because his questions his heart no doubt was about the kingdom and as we enter into it you're going to find the word born here eight times Birth is the gateway to life. That's what this conversation is about, being born and being born again. 
Three times we're going to read verily, verily. Again, 25 times in John's Gospel, in no other Gospels. Other Gospels you'll find verily or truly. The only time you find verily, verily, 25 times in John's Gospel, truly, truly. He sees where the emphasis are as he goes through. And he begins to speak to us about the necessity of the second birth. Now, if you have relatives and friends who get aggravated with you when, when you talk about being born again, oh, you're one of those born-agains uh, Christians, there are no other kind. Anybody who ain't born again ain't a Christian. Sorry, I didn't say that. It's in red letters in my Bible. You can be mad at Jesus if you want to. He said you must be born again. It's not an option. Nicodemus hears this, and it's strange to him as well. So he says to Jesus, how can a man be born again when he's old? How does that happen? Does he enter a second time into his mother's womb so he can be born again? Now, I don't think he's being curt. You know, he's not, he's not being smart alecky at all. I think he's saying, I don't understand. How can a man be born, you know, Jesus' tenor, his tone of voice, the look in his face, when he said, Nicodemus, you know, you you can't see the king unless you're born again, was with depth and power and simplicity and genuineness. It was disarming. And he said, well, how, how can a man be born again when he's old? And the sense of the second half is he he can't go back into his mother's room and be born again, can he? That's a sense of it. It's a statement with a negative influence. That that can't really happen, can it? Now, we know that. Uh, I watched all four of our kids born. um, And a minute after they were born, you weren't getting them back in, Uh, let alone when you're 40 or 50 years old, you know. So he, he knows, he's saying, this is an impossibility. What you're saying to me is, is something that, that can't happen. And Jesus then answers him this way in verses 5 and 6. He's, Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, there's one, there's one of our markers. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the Lord answers him this way, and he talks about being born of water and of the spirit. Uh, There is an immediate dialogue and kind of argument there. What does he mean being born of water? And of the Spirit, everybody's kind of on the same page. Some try to say, well, being born of water is talking about John the Baptist's baptism, and that uh, that that was a doorway to the ministry of Christ. Others try to say, well, no, it's talking about repentance and faith. The Old Testament prophets talked about being washed with water and uh, and with the word that has to do with that kind of a picture. But it seems to me the whole issue, birth, 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 mentioned through here, and the necessity of being born again 
from above, but the idea is that's not the same birth, that's another birth, that Jesus is saying, you know, that which is born, you, you need to be born of, ek, out of the water, and you need to be born out of the Spirit. Two separate births. And I think he defines it in verse 6, where he says, that which is born of the flesh, water, is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It would make no sense for him to tell Nicodemus, you have to get baptized by John before you can get saved. Baptism, Christian baptism, is a picture of death, not of life, not of birth. It's entering into the death of Christ. Paul says in Corinthians, I thank God that I baptized none of you but the household of Stephanos. Uh, in other words, if, if Paul, who was the most zealous evangelist ever lived, thought that baptism saved, he'd have said, I want to baptize everybody. He says, because it became divisive. I thank God I baptized none of you but the household of Stephanas. He says in chapter 5, and you don't have to turn there, he says, verily, verily again, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. He says nothing about baptism there. Um, the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, not baptized. The, the order in the New Testament is conversion, then baptism. It's not baptism, then conversion. That would be backwards. I think what Jesus is saying is you have to be born of water and of the Spirit. You have to have a natural birth, and then you have to have a spiritual birth. In fact, the etymology of the word here, birth in Akkadian, halum, and in Hebrew, yalad, the etymology speaks of the rupturing of the membrane when a woman breaks water. And the idea is the babe's an amniotic fluid all those months, and when the water breaks, the baby's born out of ek, out of the water. That's the natural birth. And then there's the necessity you need to be born that way, and you need to be born of the spirit as well. Those are two separate births. If you're not born of the Spirit, you're not going to go to heaven. You enter this world through the natural birth. You enter the next world through the spiritual birth. Both of them are necessary. You didn't have anything to do with your first birth. Two other people contributed. You didn't pick your parents. You showed up. When you showed up, you had no past. You only had a future. And when you're born again, it's the same thing. It's the work of your Father who is in heaven. And when you're born again, you no longer have a past. You only have a future. Because that which is born of the flesh, he says here, is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the way it works. You need another birth you can't join. 
When our kids come in the family, they don't join. They're born into the family. Same thing the second birth. You don't join the church. You have to be born into the church. The writer to Hebrews will say this, and I, and I love it. It's There's some insight in it. And he says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh. That's the natural birth. We have had fathers of our flesh which correct us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection unto the Father of spirits, that's the second birth, and live? He says, they verily chastened us after their own pleasure, but he does it for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but is grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. So the writer of the Hebrews says we have the fathers of our flesh. Biologically, dads, that's what you gave birth to, the biological part of your son or your daughter. Only God gives birth to the spiritual part of that human, of that person. Without the new birth, there's no entering into heaven. So he says here, what's born of the flesh is flesh. There's an order. There's the, there's the plant kingdom. And when you're born in that, you're a plant. There's the animal kingdom. When you're born in that, you're a critter. There's the human realm. When you're born in that, you're a human. There's a spiritual realm. When you're born into that, you're, you're born again. We don't believe in evolution. We're creationists. The new birth is regeneration. It's a new creation, Paul tells us, in Christ. It isn't like Nicodemus, with all his pharisaical credibility, was somebody that the rest of us could look at and say, now, you see the way that guy's doing? He's keeping the feast. He's keeping the dietary laws. He's memorized the, the Torah. He knows the Old Testament. He walks with God. Look how close he is. He's the teacher in Israel. And then sooner or later, he evolves into the spiritual birth. We don't know. We're not evolutionists. We're creationists. He experienced the first birth the way all the rest of us do, he had no capacity not only to experience a second birth, he didn't even understand it. What do you mean? I say, ah, can a guy be born again when he's old? He doesn't go back into his mother's womb, right? That, that can't happen. Jesus said, Nick. And, and Jesus wasn't preaching either. Jesus wasn't saying, unless a man is born again, he can't come in the kid. Like Billy Graham. I think Jesus grabbed his face and said, Nick. You have to be born of water and of the Spirit. What's born of the flesh is flesh. It's a conversation. What's born of the Spirit is Spirit. And Nicodemus probably has this dumbfounded look on his face. So in verse 7, Jesus says, don't marvel. He must see it. Don't marvel, I'm saying this. A man must be born again. Now, must is an interesting word. In the Greek, it means must. Okay? In fact, it's stop marveling, or don't let, there's an imperative there, don't let yourself be marveling, Nicodemus. Because I'm saying that a man must be born again. 
Don't marvel at that. It's impossible for the physical nature to transgress, to step over that line into the heavenly realm. There's the there's that birth physically, then there's birth spiritually. Look, you have to understand that as well. If you're listening on the radio, wherever you're here, it isn't going to church. Because you sit in church doesn't make you a Christian. Sleeping in the garage doesn't make you a car. Sitting in Dunkin' Donuts doesn't make you a law officer. <laughs> Forgive me, that's a bad joke. I'm being nice to them, though, the way they, they're treated in this world. But, but just because you sit in church, you, you can be a pubidator, but it don't make you a Christian. You have to be born again. It ain't religion. It's relationship. I don't want a religion with my kids. I don't want them to come once a week for an hour and see me, you know, roll with my robe pulled open and a crown of thorns around my heart, you know, and, and have them domni domni and go away. That's not a relationship. I want to be with them every day. I want to be with them when they laugh. I want to be with them when they cry. I, I want to reprove them when they need to be reproved. I want to answer their questions when they have questions. I want to put my arms around them when they hurt and they're broken. It's a relationship. Not a religion. And for us to experience that with Jesus, there needs to be a new birth. And he's trying to talk to this religious, astute man. Saying, Nicodemus, don't stop marveling at these things. Because I say to you that a man must be born again, and neither should we marvel. You shouldn't get aggravated. If you're here this morning, you haven't been born again. You can do that this morning before the service is over, but you need to do that. You need to do that. And the, <clears throat> those of you who spent a lot of time around unsaved people, my pastor Chuck used to say, if you if you take a German shepherd and you let him run with a pack of wolves, do the wolves become domestic or does the German shepherd become wild? You, you have a different nature. You can be with your unsaved friends to evangelize them, but there's not that level of fellowship you can have with them because you've come from darkness to light. You have to understand you're in school, you're training, whatever input there is in your life. We're thankful for that, but if, if it comes from an unregenerate world, it doesn't trump the truths of Scripture and the things that God wants to say to us. I mean, I'm glad if somebody's going to saw my head open and get out a tumor that they listen to somebody somewhere. But anything the unregenerate world brings to us does not take precedent over the heavenly things. It's a whole different realm, and he's trying to say that here. So he says in verse 7, he says, Nicodemus, he said, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell whence it cometh, whither it goes, where it's coming from, where it's going. So is everyone, not most, 
so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So he says you have to be born what's born out of. There's an neck in all this. Out of the flesh is flesh. That which is born out of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say you must be born again. And then verse 8, there's an interesting play on words, and I think Nicodemus would have picked it up right away because in the Hebrew, wind and breath are both ruach, same word. And in the New Testament, spirit and wind are the same, pneuma. So he takes these words, he kind of puts them together here, the wind... Numa, that goes where it was. So is everyone who is born of the numa, the spirit. So he, he says here, look, the wind blows. Was it blowing as he was talking to Nicodemus? Did he say, let's hear that breeze, you know? The, the wind blows where it listeth, where it desires. Interesting phrase. And he says, you can hear it. He says, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. You don't understand origin and destiny in this process. Even meteorologists today are still amazed with global air currents. They're still amazed with electrostatic charges in the air that bring together microscopic particles of water to form drops, to form rain. And when does the drop get big enough to be heavy enough to fall? Well, you know, what does the lightning have to do with those charges? You know, there's still even today, let alone in, in this day, he, sa- he said, you hear the wind blow, Nicodemus. You can see the leaves, the trees moving, but you don't know where the origin of that, how that started And you don't know where those wind currents are going to end up, the destiny. He says, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. There's evidence, but there's a part of it you believe. You believe the wind is blowing because you hear it and you see it. You don't know where it came from, where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. There should be evidence. You're born again, and you're still living the way you used to. First, there isn't anything worse you can do for your kids, the parents, than tell them you're born again and act like a heathen. That is complete confusion. The truth is, they should be able to see and hear things. There should be evidence in your life, the same way there's evidence when the wind blows. You can hear it. You can see it. Somebody says, I'm born again. You should be able to hear that and see that. They're different. They're one of those born-agains now. Oh, they're always nice. They don't drink anymore. They don't curse anymore. They're no fun anymore. Right? There should be an evidence. And he's saying that here. Look, for you and I, the, the great thing here is Nicodemus is saying, I need a new beginning. I, I need a fresh start. I need renewal. How does this happen? And you and I understand that are born again what Jesus is saying to us. But look, even as Christians, sometimes we get so saturated with the world and it's slowly that we get desensitized 
to the sinful things of the world, that we find ourselves drying up. We find ourselves atrophy. And we, can all, we, we come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I just need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. Lord, I need to come back to my first love. I need to. And it's still the same source. There's anything new. It's still from heaven. It's still by his grace. It still flows only from him and there ain't nothing you can do to coax his love or to make it come your way. You still have to receive it by faith. And if you're here today and you've never come, religion's not enough. You need a relationship with God, and you can only have that through Jesus Christ. And you can only have that if you're born again. He said it. You must be born again. You had to be born the first time to enter life in the physical realm. You have to be born a second time to enter life in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm. And he's saying to Nicodemus, look, the wind blows. You see that. You don't have to know origin and destiny to, to agree it's real because you, you see the evidence of it. You have to understand the whole process. He could have said to Nicodemus, you know, you sit, you sit in the sun and you appreciate the warmth. You don't understand nuclear fission and fusion and how many tons of mass are burning per second in the center of the sun and the temperature. You don't have to understand all that to enjoy the sun. And he said, so it is with those that are born of the Spirit. You don't have to understand origin and destiny. You see it in nature. You see it in their nature when the change comes. And then Nicodemus says this, look. He answered and he said unto him, well, how can these things be? Now he's softening. The first thing he said is, is how can a man be born again when he's old? Does he go back in his mother's womb? The, almost the first time he's saying, it's an impossibility. Now as he's listening, he's saying, all right, this is a possibility, but how? The, the, the answer is softening here the second time. And you should wear down your friends and relatives as you're witnessing to them, too. If you're witnessing to them and they are just furious and they're angry, you should praise the Lord, because that's the way Paul was right before he got saved. Maybe they're so much on the edge that every little, you know, every little thing is a straw that breaks the camel's back, because they're under such conviction that every little thing you say makes them blow up. You should go home and rejoice. They won't be, but you should. <clears throat> but it's interesting to see the Lord wearing down Nicodemus. Jesus will do that in your life. He wants to answer your questions. He wants you to be honest about your emptiness. He wants you to come to him and say, how, how, Lord, how does this happen? What Those people sitting around there singing those songs, acting like that. I know they got something, I don't know, but how does this go on? How does this happen? And Jesus then answers and says, really, you're the, the teacher. You're the most renowned theological professor in the country. You are the master in Israel. It's the same word where Nicodemus said, we know you're a teacher sent from God. Now Jesus used the didaskalos, the same word here. Art thou the teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? Nicodemus, really? You're the one supposed to be familiar with the scripture and you don't know these things? Jeremiah said, behold, the days come <clears throat> saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand, bringing them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke 
although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with them in uh, with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. He says in Ezekiel, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. You shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. He said, Nicodemus, you're the teacher in Israel, and you're acting like you've never heard any of this? How is that? He says to him. How is that? And then he says this. Verily, verily, he sets it up again. I say unto thee, interesting, we speak that we do know. Now over in in verse 2, he said, we know your teacher come from God. Jesus says, really? Here he says, we speak that we know and testify that we have seen. And you, plural, you all, you and your cronies, your theological, pharisaical knuckleheads, you receive not our witness. And if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you spiritual things? If I talk to you about the way a baby is born, if I talk to you about the need for birth, if I talk to you about the fact the way the wind blows, if I talk to you about earthly things and you don't get it, how am I supposed to talk to you about heavenly things, Nicodemus? We have a testimony. Now, who's we? Some people say, well, that's him and John the Baptist. I don't think so. John the Baptist is going to say, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? So he don't know. Some say, well, it's the Lord and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Maybe, maybe. But John the Baptist, over in verse 31, the same chapter says this. He that cometh from above is above all. Now we're going to read that. Verse 13 says, no man has ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, John the Baptist says in verse 31, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no man receives his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, we speak that we do know and testify that which we have seen. If, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You know, just, he, sa- he says, that's our testimony, and you don't receive it. He, he sa- it says in chapter 1, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. He came to the Jews. They didn't receive him. Tells us in the end of Matthew that they propagated a lie. Look, 
The only reason we know there were soldiers at the tomb is because Matthew was a tax collector and he hobnobbed with them. The other three Gospels don't tell us that. There was a guard at that tomb, and when the angel rolled the stone away, they fled and they went to the priest. When that happens, you see an angel like that, you go to the priest. You don't go to your commanding officer. And the priest gave money and said, all right, we'll get you off the hook because your commanding officer is going to want to kill you. We'll, we'll pay the money. You're just going to tell people his disciples came and stole his body. And it says that lie is still being told. Still being told. And Jesus says here, we have a testimony. We know. We have seen. And you, all of you, receive not our witness. And, and if I've told you earthly things and you don't believe them, how am I going to tell you heavenly things? Verse 13 is remarkable. It says, No man hath ascended, it's perfect tense, has ascended in that he is still there and still remains up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, he's the only one that remains in heaven, even the Son of Man, which is presently being in heaven. What a statement. You know, the he figures, let me just go for it, because this guy don't understand anything, so I'm just going to dump it out here, because we're all left scratching our heads, you know? And he said, John had said that, from God hath, whom God has sent, speaks the words of God. He said, he says, he cometh from above, verse 31, and is above all. And here Jesus says, you know, I've tried to tell you about the new birth. And if you're not born again, I pray you're listening today. These, these words are in red, and when they're in red, it means Jesus is saying these things. And he says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, verse 8. He's unchangeable. He's God. He never changes. He's immutable. He's eternal. He doesn't have to change. And he says it's necessary for a man to be born again. We, we have the old, uh, used to have a t-shirt, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. It just simply, simply meant if you're only born physically, and everybody here was, that's why you're here. If you're only born physically and you're only born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die physically, then you're going to die eternally. You're going to die spiritually. If you're only born once, you die twice. You need to think about it if you're not a believer, because look, death is total in every generation. For every 100 people born, 100 people die. Nobody's beating the odds. It's a tragedy when it's a child. It's a tragedy when it's a hero dying on the battlefield, laying down his life for somebody else. But the point is, death is total in every generation. You can fight that. You can face lifts. You can do all that stuff. You can eat. And you can look great when you die. <laughs> right? You can get them to put you in liquid nitrogen and get frozen in a capsule somewhere and pray there's not a power outage so you get that frostbite and stuff then. <clears throat> but look, nobody beats it. For every 100 people born, 100 people die. So everybody who's born once is going to die. The thing is, if you're born 
once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die physically. No way around it. And God is so gracious because as we get older, he lets us start to wear out. Because we don't know anybody who's died of good health. So he kind of lets you know it's coming. When you're with your friends and say, I got a good guy for that. Oh, I got a specialist for that. That becomes part of your conversations, you know. And if you only are born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die physically, but you're going to die eternally too. There's no way for that to be removed. Then it says, though, born twice, die once. If you're born, like Jesus says, of water, born of the flesh, then you're born of the spirit, you're born a second time, then you're only going to die once. That's physically. Your physical body will die. It'll be resurrected again, but you'll die once. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you need to think about this. Born once, die twice. Physically and eternally in outer darkness. Born twice, which is God's heart. That's why he's recorded this chapter. Because he wants the church and generations of men to know that there's a second birth. You're born naturally from your mother's womb But then there's the birth of the Spirit, too. And Nicodemus was honest enough to say, with all my training, all my religiosity, all my stuff, there's something with you that I ain't got, this young carpenter from Nazareth. I need a new beginning. I need renewal or something. I need to start over. I need a change. And Jesus says, this is the way it happens. the new birth. You go to Jesus for that. You go to Jesus for that. Only he can produce that. There's no effort any religious person or any irreligious person can do to earn their way into heaven. It was paid for by Christ on the cross. As we sing the last song here today, look, Jesus... Verses 14, 15, 16 is going to answer that second how question in a remarkable way, but it's still all faith. But as the musicians come, we sing the last song. If you don't know Christ, we're going to ask you to get out of your seat and come down here. You want to be born again? To accept him, to receive him. Jesus says, no man, no woman, no child can come unless my Father who's in heaven draws that person. You couldn't even want to come unless it was a drawing in your heart. And Jesus said, if you're willing to confess me before men, you're willing to stand publicly and say, hey, man, I need forgiveness. I need a new life. My first one messed me up. I need another one, a new birth. He says, if you're willing to confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and all of the angels in heaven. You're listening to this somewhere and you're a Catholic saying, I don't know about this born-again stuff. Because look, when, when you're a baby, they sprinkle you and say, you're born again now. This is, the Bible doesn't teach that. You have to personally come to Jesus Christ to be born again. Read your Catholic Bible. John chapter 3, you got the same one I got. Same exact thing. You have to be born again to get into the kingdom. You have to be born to get into the earthly kingdom. If you were never born, you wouldn't be here. Duh. 
You had to be born to get into this kingdom. You have to be born again to get into the next kingdom. And if you've not done that, as we sing this last song, I'm going to ask you to get out of your shoe. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask you to come down here. If a friend brought you, they're going to say, come on, come on, I'll go down with you. But you come. Everybody else, don't run out. Let's take some time and pray, because when the last person gets saved, we can be out of here. So let's be serious about this. But if you have never come to Christ, look, I, I sit with this. He put all of this to the page. He's preserved this for 2,000 years. He's still speaking this morning about his love and about the need for a new birth and f- about its availability. It's available. It's available. He offers it. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. You have to receive it freely. You didn't earn your first birth. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You weren't worthy of it. You showed up kicking and screaming. And you can't earn the second birth. He offers it freely. Your Father in heaven. If you have never come to Christ as we worship, I'm going to ask you to come stand down here. We want to pray with you, give you a Bible to read. We don't want your address or phone number, email or nothing. We don't want nothing from you. No offering envelopes. We want everything for you. We want to see you have what we have. It just causes our hearts to rejoice. So let's pray. Let's worship. And today if he's drawing you, you come. You come. Father, I know you've overheard, Lord, and we... We looked in your word, Lord, we, we, we open that, we, we relish it, Lord, we rejoice in your word, Lord, to listen to your words, to let it rise from the page and speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, like you were here in our midst speaking again, and we believe that, Lord, by your spirit. So, Lord, as we close, Lord, all of us that are believers, we look to you, Lord, and we say, Lord, no chastening for the present is enjoyable, but it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Teach us to yield to our second birth, our higher nature, Lord. We're so easily respond to the lower nature. Lord, teach us, teach us, Lord, in your patience and your love, like a parent raising a son or daughter, teach us to walk the right way, Lord. And Lord, for those that are not saved, that are here, who have never come, all they have is religion like Nicodemus, and they're completely empty, and they're willing to admit it. Lord, would you draw them today, Lord, to receive you as their Savior, to receive your love and your forgiveness. Lord, you're the one who adds to the church daily such as should be saved. It's your work. We put it in your hands, Lord. We lift up our hearts, Lord, in worship. We pray in your name. Amen.